Hey, streamers and dreamers, my name is Otto Kent, and you're listening to The Week by Telecom Electronic Beats. It's Thursday, November 14th, and this is a special episode. No weekly update. Instead, we are going to be looking back. That's right. It is our 2023 wrap-up episode, and we will be doing so with some beautiful guests that you've heard on the show before. Berlin-based DJ Juba and Krista Bell. You might know Juba because they were on our show featuring an episode this year where we talked about how being a DJ often clashes with being a climate activist. And you might remember Krista Bell, who recently was on the show, where we talked about the potential tug of war between genre and identity. These two know their stuff as DJs, hosts, promoters, members of collectives. They're coming in to share with you their best and worst of 2023. Hello, you two. Let's go. Let's get the box in. So, you know, the one thing everybody wants to know, album of the year, AOTY. Krista, you want to go first? Well, my first one's a downer. I don't know if I should start. Well, no. Okay. I've got two. I've got one really soulful record and one that was more um, like upbeat in your face. Why don't I start with that one? Let's do it. I really loved JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown's Scaring the Hose. Um, when this record came out, I remember I had a moment, like, I didn't even know that it was, no, that's a lie. I did know it was coming out because JPEG were teasing some of the music at their concerts and I was seeing this on social media. Then when it dropped, it was kind of a surprise and I put it in, uh, like on, on Apple music and I was taking the bus and I had one of those moments that reminded me of being a teenager when you're like on the bus going to school or something, kind of like daydreaming out the window and you're listening to new music and it just feels fresh and exciting and I heard that album I was like god this is just so much fun um you know from our previous episode I'm really into like genre hybrids and people smashing styles together and I think this was a real like new height in that I mean there's so many influences on it there's like classical there's like banging like post-punk drums there's Danny Brown having like the weirdest time signature flows and just samples everywhere. And it's chaotic. Like, I don't know. I think it's on a lot of year-end lists. Not at the top, because I think it's just so extremely chaotic for some people. But, like, I love that. I think also year-end lists... It's tough because the the more experimental or the more uh, an album shines in the way that it's pushing sound forward doesn't always make it to the year-end list. You know, year-end lists are an album of the years. Like, they're the ones that emotionally related to you the most. They're the ones that you used for a breakup or the mm-hmm. one that you used on the beach all the time. And I think that album also resonated with me because it was... It kind of reminded me of JPEG Mafia and Danny Brown's world around hip hop. And Mm -hmm. that was a trend of albums this year that I had to revisit, which was They Hate Change, which is uh, a a hip hop duo that JPEG Mafia has like put up on his label. And there was a lot of production styles from They Hate Change's albums that kind of drifted into that album, Mm -hmm. the Danny Brown JPEG one. And also uh, High Tech, which is definitely one of my albums of the year. Yeah, There's like this this hybridization of all of these disparate sounds coming into the beats of some of these like bigger name rap artists. Yeah. And to me, that's just such an expression of what's happening generally in music. Definitely. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. I feel like with rap... I don't really engage with rap in the same way because I feel like a lot of it for my, in my world has been subsumed by like the likes of Amma Piano and more Afro side of things. Mm. I feel like there's a certain... Actually, funny enough, I was talking to my friend recently. I was like, when I go out and when I go to venues that would historically or typically play like rap music, you tend to get more like throwback stuff from like 2016. Like I'm still hearing like Cardi B. So I don't even know where rap is going right now, to be honest. Like, what does Fair it enough. look like? Yeah. Yeah, I think this album was definitely one of the markers for uh, rap heads that there's a certain subsect of that community that's just like on its own lane and moving very fast in another direction. Yeah, I also, I also wonder doing. if it's like the the tracks you're hearing in clubs like Cardi B are almost memeable in a way. You yeah. know, they're like they're like these pop cultural iconic moments where people associate so much to it rather mm. than like this like Danny Brown and JPEG record was really these two artists like exploring the sonics of this space. And like, I don't really know if it would 
bang in the club. I think it would on radio for sure. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and maybe that's also why I'm not across it because I think a lot of my musical consumption is based more around like club music or like the Afro electronic world of things. So if you go out and you're not hearing, and this sort of music is not necessarily catered to what we would, I say, typically associate rap and like I don't hip hop with. Um, then I guess you're not going to be across it as much. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Well, so let's hit it. Your AOTY. You know what? I'm actually. I was being authentic today because when I was thinking about what my rap albums of the year were, once again, I was thinking in terms of music that I engage with. Um, you don't really tend to have many fe- feature-length albums, really. Like you tend to have more EPs, mm. like EP bangers. So I would say I have two. There is one that I think is more across like the traditional album spectrum, which is like Kalela Raven. Mm. I feel like that is probably a bit of an obvious choice, but you know. For obvious reasons. Is it though? Because, like, I think in our communities, maybe it's obvious, but for the wider community of Mm. music listeners, it's very new to them. Okay, mm-hmm. fair, fair, fair. And I just felt like it was a really beautifully, quite mature offering. I really enjoyed like the the credits list as well, from LSDXO to Bambi to like Yo Van Lens, like just a really nice spectrum of people who are on it. Um, and I feel like because Kalela had this, I feel like she had a moment, maybe like 2017 or so, mm-hmm. and then she disappeared. It was really exciting to hear her come back with a sound that made a lot of sense, mm-hmm. but also suggested to me that she just had time to sit back and like, I don't know, express, explore, mm-hmm. um, develop her sound. And I think it was just like really on the mark. Um, Agreed. But not necessarily expected, but not unexpected. Like she didn't come back in a completely different like world or like genre of music, which wouldn't be a problem at all. But it just felt quite like authentic. And Did you get to see her tour? No, I didn't because I wasn't here when... Uh, yeah, I, she was here in Berlin, but then I was like traveling on that day or something. It was really annoying. But yeah, I'm actually kind of burnt about that because... Looking back, <laughs> it was probably one of the best concerts I went really? to of the year. And I think the reason why is because it felt like the fandom of around yeah. those concerts yeah. was a community for a night. Yeah. Uh, whereas there was a lot of division this year mm. around even down to why you should or shouldn't like a certain artist, mm. even at the level of Kalela. Yeah. That was one of the most unified yeah. audiences I've been in. Mm. It was quite a stripped back show too, right? Absolutely. It yeah. was just her and the mic and yeah. some sexy dancing and her just like hitting the mm-hmm. mark with her voice. Cool. But I think she had a bit of like a, a really appreciative cult, like in that Salon Janelle's kind of way. Absolutely. Um, which makes a lot of sense that six years later we were all kind of waiting on her. We'd almost mm. forgotten but not forgotten. Mm. I think every now and then I'd be like, what happened to Kalela? But then her coming back, it's like that community that was built back in 2017 was still waiting for her to like share with us. And then on the flip side, I'd say like, a, I'm really bad at like choosing one thing. So I tend to do this thing where I'm like, this could be a case or this. So yeah, <laughs> tricked you. Yeah. Um, I'd say like uh, uh, Florentino, he brought out this EP called Kilometro Kinse. Um, he's like Mancunian, Colombian, I believe. And it's just like a really fun, like sexy EP, like very different. It goes from like breakbeat to like Dembao to Pereo to, I don't know, like reggaeton sounds. Um, and he's got like really fun features like Shy Girl Sakara on there and I think in terms of what I use music for a lot of the time in the club world it just it just hits so many marks it's perfect like I, I think it's a really beautiful offering so shout out to that one as well hell yeah well as a DJ is there a DJ uh, album or EP that you rap really hard from the last year something that you just was a, a go-to because that's what I'm getting from YouTube but that was like a go-to yeah, every yeah, song yeah. hit yeah, the club yeah, every song that's a good question. No, I'm so all over the place as a DJ because, you know, like the environments that I DJ in are so different. I'm actually kind of rarely in the club these days. I do so much more like radio kind of chill out stuff. Mm. But the one other record I was going to bring up was um, My Back Was a Bridge for You to Cross by Anoni and the Johnsons. Um, that this was is, your downer record, that, right? This is my downer <laughs> record. Yeah. So I'm going to actually answer you with the opposite of uh, your question. But, um, yeah, for anybody that doesn't know, Anony's an English-born singer and songwriter and visual artist uh, who came up in New York mm-hmm. in, was 2010s, that? 2010s. With a big yeah. hit called Blind with um, Hercules and Love Affair. Exactly. That was, like, the big and, like, um, yeah, so... Anony and the Johnsons used to be Antony and the Johnsons before she transitioned to female. And in her career, she's like just been so 
expressive, like mm. on, on the one hand, like experimenting in dance music culture and like making bangers, but then also really using her voice critically and singing about like climate change and um, like gender politics and everything, but not like it's heavy handed in a way, but not in a way that feels um, forced. Mm. It's just like, I feel like she is such a voice of this generation and um, this record that she just wrote, I think, like, reflects a lot of the grief, actually, that happened in 2023 mm. that is really hard for us to feel sometimes. Because I don't know about y'all, but my Instagram feed is, I would say, 75% politics these days, and, like, the majority of it is harrowing. Mm. And sometimes, like, your brain just can't process it. Right. You know? Like, it starts to, like, you try to, like, yeah, be present for it, but you're just burnt Mental out. Burnout. Mm-hmm. And so, like, to actually feel like the weight of what's happening in the world in your body, I think is really powerful. And the first time I heard this record, it, it's it's like a full on soul, like blues, like uh, Anony cited Marvin Gaye as an influence and so many others. But like, there's a song called Why Am I Alive Now? And the first time I heard it, I just like cried and like, I still cry when I hear it. And so I think it's like, so powerful. Like everybody, please go listen to this record. Yeah, that was quite an endorsement. Well, I'm gonna listen to both. They both, uh, all of them, sound, I mean, I've been, Kalela was one of my top artists. If you yeah. want to go to the rapped direction, she yeah. definitely rapped my rapped. Yeah. Um, but my favorite album, my AOTY, yeah. is, is it's going, I, of course, I have a couple of choices. I have an honorable mention, but I have to be honest because I've even said it in other interviews that this is my AOTY, and I, I truly believe it is. It's ASO. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. And it's a self-titled ASO LP produced by two musicians who live in Berlin, but are both uh, Australian, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just a perfect record. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of got this trip hop style to it. There's some tracks, some of the singles on the record are like very trip hop in its um, aesthetic and its vocal stylings and its melodies and its tempo range. But the whole record does a lot of really beautiful things and it rises above this idea that a genre is coming back. Lyrics are killer. The the it's just from beginning to end listenable, which for me is a big part of an AOTY. I'm intrigued. Yeah, so good. I was so like, the kids are that. listening to Thievery Corporation. <laughs> We're back. We're so back. Absolutely. I mean, uh, what's the other? There's another uh, someone who's been making it onto year end lists that also did some trip hop. I even talked about Doja Cat doing. <gasps> yeah, Doja fair, Cat fair, like fair. touched it a little bit. So we're 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 getting there. That mm-hmm. that vibe is back. And then my honorable mention goes to Victoria Monet for Jaguar too. Oh my god, I haven't done my honorable mention, but okay. <laughs> what's your honorable mention? You guys are gonna hate me. What is it? Uh, but are we talking about artists or just songs? Or Oh, no, no. Honorable mention of record, like AOTY, album of the year. Okay, not album yet. I'll go to single in a sec. Okay, yeah. No, we're going to do singles later. Let's, <laughs> okay, let's, okay, okay. let's get to something even more fun, yeah. which is your least favorite music trend of 2024. Oh, so it, it could be something that happened with musicians online, or it could be something that just bugged you that was happening on Spotify or happening like regularly in the news or the way that musicians or venues are being treated. Yeah. Okay. So mine, I think like has to do with IRL spaces, like okay. clubs and everything. And it's like the facade of inclusivity when spaces are like ex- extremely exclusive. You know, I feel like um, over the past few years, like a lot of people have worked really hard to like create more inclusive spaces and they do the work. And if they fail, they have public accountability and that's great. But I don't know. It's like there's so many places that are just replicating the Berghine door policy because they think that it's fashionable and they're letting people in based on like a really narrow-minded idea of like what a diverse network of people inside the club looks like and it's like yo if you're not gonna do it right just call yourself exclusive like there's been exclusive clubs forever you know like you don't have to like or you shouldn't wear inclusivity like it's a trend Mm. you know what I mean it's like something that you should live by and I'm pretty sick of seeing places like fail at that yeah, I think the whole inclusivity as like marketing is just a problem across the board from club scenes to mar- to 
advertisement to everything. It like it's a tick box. It makes it's easy to say the stuff on paper, but in reality, the actual execution is often very questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that yeah, the whole door policy swing. I do see the value in certain door policies, but as you say, it's about doing it authentically and right, and knowing why you're doing it, not just doing it for the sake of it, because then you just yeah, replicate like. Yeah, you also got to like pay for it. You got to train staff on like what to look out for. It's like you can't just assume that every bouncer is going to know how to like ethically do that, right? So I don't see companies actually wanting to invest in this work a lot of the time. But I think also the profile of your typical bouncer is just like someone who just like wants to, who is more in the security background, generally speaking. So when you have a lot of these clubs, there's like a sort of a culture or lifestyle clash of just like these inclusive, say, collectives or venue, um, like I guess, Ethoses in some right. e- EFI, <laughs> and then the guys who literally just like came from a security background and then work at a club. So sometimes there's a bit of a, a disconnect. And I understand that clubs are trying to in, like include awareness teams and all this sort of awareness training, but I do think there's still a disconnect that is kind of hard to overcome until you incorporate these people behind the scenes and who want to be inclusive into the actual like door policies themselves. Exactly. Um, I I feel like that last year, a lot of these conversations really came to a head and certain people had to invest. Some clubs even closed and reopened. And some of those clubs this year are actually exercising what that looks like for the first time. Mm -hmm. And that is actually affecting the way that other places that are less prolific in terms of dance music or clubs or can't make the kinds of changes and risks and still be profitable here immediately like Berlin, uh, I feel like these conversations have been way more fruitful than when I got in the game and like being a gay party was just not even a thing anyone wanted to talk about. And I also feel like what you're saying resonates with me because I hope that what comes out of this disdain for people like wearing inclusivity is a little bit more of a comfort to be exclusive. Mm Mm-hmm. And what can be positive around advertising a club that not everyone can go to in a way that everyone can celebrate. How do you best do that, though? And and at what point do we want clubs to not have to... I mean, I guess that's a bigger societal question. When will racism, when will sexism or whatever end? But, like, at what point um, do you become exclusive for the sake of it? Like, when isn't the ideal to actually create spaces where people who would need exclusive spaces are comfortable in all spaces? I don't know. I feel like it's it's the idea that you create a language around your event that either people want to go through the work to learn and speak or they just want to celebrate the idea that there's a language that creates more diversity in their ecosystem. I don't think it's about necessary. I mean, the word exclusivity is really a dirty word and as far as I'm concerned, but I guess that's just the only opposite of what the language we have, which yeah, is Yeah, the inclusive. language matters there for sure. I yeah. wonder if there is a better word for describing what we're talking about. Because when you said exclusivity, but also said diversity in the same sentence, it's kind of contradictory. Absolutely. I feel like it's more the idea of uh, observing um, what is out there as opposed to feeling you like you must participate in order to be woke, basically. Mm. Yeah. And there are a lot of spaces that I feel like in the way we can um, digest the music and the playlists and the like media around them and celebrate them, that being cool doesn't necessarily mean you ha- entering those spaces. Mm-hmm. What about you, Juba? Is there a least favorite music trend of 2024 you want to bring into the okay. roundtable discussion? You know what? Because you, you went deep and you went kind of like institutional, cultural, social, political. I'm just going to go basic. I'm kind of basic. I, I kind of enjoy it because whatever. Um, I feel like in some ways uh, a least favorite trend or movement and it might sound a bit bar humbug, a bit like millennial DJ hating, but it's not. It's um, just like the culture of um, like we obviously live in a very social digital world when it comes to DJing and stuff like that and I think the trend of like DJs feeling like they need to post like best bits and snippets on their feed after every single event every single live stream in order to in order to push their career i kind of feel like it will be i look i wonder what a world looks like where that isn't such a def- decided factor in a lot of people's careers and i feel like a lot of djs or people that i speak to personally are sometimes being catapulted to this uh, space of like fame and just like being widely known and they are the hype at the moment and it's like, do you actually enjoy doing this? Do you enjoy being the hype person at the moment? Or do you kind of feel like you have to get this hype part, this hype snippet to share um, 
and then in order for your career to grow. And so like this sort of feedback loop of like you being overly hyped and there being a lot of pressure to maintain this hype through your visuals and your socials and then you being booked in a certain capacity and then you having to maintain the hype in order to get more bookings. I feel like I wonder what is sustainable for like ongoing DJs and DJ cultures mm-hmm. or if actually upcoming DJs will be so used to that. They don't even think about it. They don't feel the pressure. But I don't think that is going to be the case. One of your recent clips what I think is a perfect example of a clip that I resonated with yeah. and spoke a lot. And I was like, this is the kind of content I do like mm. because it's the same kind of content that might hit the algorithm or yeah. play the game, but it also actually spoke to something really honest, which is you and your like perfect flubbed mix. Oh. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's even clip? gotten some traction That's on my so... FYP. And it's you. What was a boiler room? Or? Yeah, no, it's a mix mag. So, <laughs> a mix mag, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so me and my DJ collected Boko Boko, we did this mix mag like live mix. And there's a bit where like you just see all the motions of like, a mix going so wrong and it being saved. So I was massively clanging, like all the, there were two very percussive tracks playing at the same time and there was a lot going on. It sounded like knocking pots and pans. And then you could just see me being like, like sweating, like, oh my God, this is going to be so, go so bad and fans people are going to see me just like messing up. And then I saved it, I wheeled it up basically. But like, it went, really, <laughs> but it was very authentic. It was very like real. Like You it wheeled was, it up, but the drop was right. And yeah, I think yeah. you could tell that you weren't sure if you were going to hit it on the drop. Oh, I was not. And then, and then you got really excited and it was like, it was one of these moments where I was like, yes, more mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It was very, it was very real. And I think I posted like a, um, in like May or something, I DJed, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, I DJed in a club and there was literally one person there for the whole set. And even though there was only one person for my whole set, this person was having the best time of their lives. And it was like a really just, it felt like a kind of like relationship, a kind of like communication between myself and this person. And it felt like a real big contrast to what, it, especially around the Glastonbury time when actually that happened, mm-hmm. where people were just dropping videos of like thousands of people apparently like going mad to their sets but sometimes if you look at the clip there's not actually that much interaction with the crowd anyway and I think that need for DJs to post yeah hype moments or big moments or show that they were like on stage in Coachella like you know main stage I think there's a lot of pressure that comes from it but I don't know how valuable it is to like um, sharing what DJing can be at its best which is a beautiful interaction with like a crowd of people um so yeah i wonder what i I would say that could be something that is my least favorite trend but also in terms of just the pressure it puts on djs and people agreed and if you don't fall into that then you feel like you're left behind and also it's funny because i dj in berlin a lot and in a lot of berlin places you don't you're not allowed cameras like there's no camera policy which i think is great actually and i think it also automatically um removes that pressure to share your best clips because you can't right and i see a big difference between like djs who may play more in spaces where you aren't allowed cameras to those who do play in spaces where there are where there is like a video policy and it's a difference in like i don't know expectations yeah Well, that is a great transition into what my least favorite music trend of 2024 is, which has to do with content and DJs and posting things. And it's taking things down. So uh, I'm seeing a trend now where DJs are announcing that they're going to take down a stream or take down content Mm. or um, no longer have music somewhere as a political statement. And I find that incredibly problematic. Uh, because the ephemeral nature of announcing something on social media lasts for 24 hours at best. If you're not putting this somewhere that it lives permanently, so it's like a tattoo, then how are people going to understand that there's like a historical and political context to the reason why you've erased Mm some part of your history. Mm. And I think that um, wearing your mistakes is a big trend alert for 2024. And I think a big miss for 2023 were uh, not enough people calling people out for the idea that like you endorse something and you made a mistake and that should be celebrated because we're human Mm. and... We got to own our mistakes. I so agree with both of you. All three of ours really have to do with like taking away glorification and being more like human Mm -hmm. about your work. Yeah. Yeah. So recently a music platform got caught up in a lot of, I don't want to say drama, but online conflict because they were accused of dealing with a specific situation or showing solidarity um, with like a, a conflict or people's women conflict in a, in a bad way. And I don't necessarily agree with how they went about it, but I didn't agree with 
what you were talking about in terms of the the response of a lot of people in the music community I think sometimes my issue with these responses is I don't think they come from a place of authenticity I feel like they come from a place of pressure and coercion and I feel like for me if you want to do something do it but understand the why and if the why is anything other than because I don't want to look bad then, then I don't think you should necessarily do it and I think it's like you know standing with your chest in what you did and also be able to say why you still kept it up there why you haven't distanced yourself from the platform because and so I posted a tweet which was hilarious so my conversation is like, what do we want the industry to look like? How do we want to deal with conflict and things that we seem we um, assume or um, perceive as going wrong? And how do you do it in a way that maintains an ecosystem where the, the institutions that we use actually exist? Because we've, I think in the last few years, there's been a lot of institutions that have gone down, rightfully or wrongfully, for being perceived or having have done the wrong thing. And what I often find is there's sometimes it's a void that is left that isn't necessarily replaced with something that actually um, ensures that we don't fall back into the same patterns. So like, how do we show learning I, I think taking stuff down doesn't show a sense of having learned something it just shows a sense of having wanted to run away from the um from the consequence of your actions okay. so i posted a tweet it's a, it was an 18 thread tweet which i got ripped for because i posted 18 threads worth of like con in, in like you know chat on twitter and i basically was saying what do we want the industry to look like um how do we best deal with conflict and hold people accountable without essentially decimating the in industry that we we need to exist and we need to use. We can't deny that these platforms and these streams hold value in a lot of careers. I got ripped to shreds. Like, <laughs> I got I got dogpiled or piled on. It was kind of fascinating to watch me essentially being like cancelled in real time. Um, and I, my friends were like, take it down, take it down, just save yourself. And I was like, no. So I went in private for a while just to like, you know, let some of the heat come off. But it's, the, the tweet is still up there. Guys, Juba Music LDL on Twitter. Go check it out. <laughs> come for me. Let's start it again because I'm ready. I'm ready for oh, you. Wow. But I didn't actually engage in the sort of... Um, the, the fire the sort of like right. the wrath that was like leveled at me but to me that was also a perfect indication of what I think um, needs to be left behind it's just like this lack of ability to engage with things in, with conversations yeah. authentically in a way that isn't just about virtue signaling and proving that you can retweet and rehash the one-liner that you have learned off-head because that's what we're meant to think right now. For sure. It reminds me of how you are not allowed to strike things off the Discogs archive. Like, if you've got, like, an embarrassing record from yesterday where you're like, oh, this so doesn't align with what I'm doing now, Discogs is like, sorry. Yeah. You published it. That's the archive. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and those those spaces are still around. They're not... It's funny. I, one of my top moments of the years was having to show people under the age of 33 what Discogs was. <laughs> I had to do that like two or three times this year. Shout out to if you don't know what Discogs is and you're about to find out because you're in a world of hurt. It's a time suck. But okay, I wanted to do a little refresher. Okay. So we're going to do a quick in or out for 2024. Yeah. All okay. you just say is in or out. And maybe if you want a little little anecdote, why not? But let's just do it real quick. Be real. In or out for 2024. Out, man. Out. Failed. Failed attempt at being fake non-social media what's being on social media <laughs> keep bringing up the new like platforms something will stick funny okay. little things yeah. let's keep trying stuff um, yeah. getting followers on Spotify in 2024 uh, I'm not on Spotify me in that way so I guess out. so out okay <laughs> yeah. I guess so Are okay uh, still images on Instagram in 2024 yeah carousel yeah. it carousel it <laughs> definitely yeah, big time add in a few like grainy videos sweeted sorted um, dubstep in 2024 in. I'm okay. I'm open to it. Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. And then a final one is reading a real book in 2024. 100% in, in forever. Always ever, in. Forever. I even 100%. told my friend to bring me a book from the UK. She's written tomorrow. Okay. When's the last time you bought a real book? Ooh. I borrow a lot of books. I'm reading two right now. Oh, okay. Book borrowing. Yeah. Purchase. Okay. I purchased a couple in like September. Nice. Yeah. And I've okay. been gifted a few. All right. So let's get to the real stuff again. Let's do it. Favorite single hey. or pop song of 2023 the man them tune considerate five star <laughs> hotel smoking cigarettes hey <laughs> mixing cold it up with a finnegan you got fix what you want to get finnegan yeah that one obviously Name sprinter it. sprinter by central c yeah nice. like yeah my man them tune considerate yeah sorry just can't stop rapping it every hey, now i mean and then. this is the guilty pleasure moment yeah. mine's definitely a guilty pleasure <laughs> which one Let's no, you it. go. What's yours? Oh, man, mine is. And I have a reason for this. It's not technically my favorite, favorite song of the year. Yeah. But I think it's the most significant for me. Interesting. It's Strangers by Kenya Grace. <laughs> 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 
And this is why, because as far as 2023 is concerned, mashing a button on TikTok to get your single to go big, showing that you can mash your samples is a 2023 thing. Drum and bass, liquid drum and bass coming back into the number one slot. Yeah, in you the love UK. to see it. Fan. I love to, you see, love it. to see it, and I love the idea that Kenya Grace is like fully TikTok manufactured. Oh, really? Oh, wait, one hundred percent AI or just like? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I don't know these we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. But but had the opportunity to buy my ticket to see Kenya Grace so in was, yeah. the Berghain Cantina. Ooh, sold out. Sick. Yeah, Sick. I love the yeah. idea that. She played in the Burkheim Cantina. At least she got there. She got there. Because she will sure. never be in a venue that small it's again. It's like Cantina Zaula. You know, you're kind of <laughs> oscillating around the, like, the sure. Holy Grail. Um, cool. Okay. Well, speaking of Burkheim, mine is very associated to queer clubbing. It was obviously Padam by Kylie Minogue. Um, she stood around. Yeah. <laughs> so, listen, Padam was like... Kylie came out with this track, and the first time that I heard it, I was like, sonically, it didn't do that much for me, but I was like, go off, Kylie, because she's been in the game for decades now. Like, I'm just really happy for her. She looks incredible. She sounds great, you know? But, like, I did a lot of queer clubbing this year. I think it was my 2023 number one form of escapism. (laughs) And... um, Nice. Like in the club, Padam just like took on a life of its own. That was so incredible to see. It was this like vehicle for joy on the dance floor. It got remixed super well by like Hi and DJ City and like other DJ City. That was definitely a track of the year. Such a good one. Full on cover and then a cover in Swedish. Yeah. And then not only was Padam, it's like I remember uh, there are just so many dance floor moments of somebody dropping or teasing Padam and everybody like losing it because it became memeable on the dance floor. Good. And um, even the word Padam kind of became this like chant that was like you couldn't really intellectualize what it meant. It was just this like call to action. Right. And uh, so I loved just how how it like became something so substantial just even outside of the music itself. That's it. We live in different worlds. I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know she was still around. Do you know, what? when I think of Kylie Minogue, when I was a kid, she was literally like the bum of Britain. Like everyone in the UK was obsessed with her bum. She had like the best bum in Britain apparently. Oh. That's what I think about when I think of Kylie Minogue. Hey, still emotion. looking so good. Yeah, but um, that's so funny because yeah. Can I say on a more serious note though, also Set the Roof by um, Nikki Nair and Hudson mm, Mohawk. Yeah. Like absolute like my That was my next language. question. What's the serious or the crying track for you? What was the like, I'm depressed, I'm still in bed. What's the, I'm going to light a candle? Well, mine was, of course, Anoni, like I said before. Just, I mean, there's the whole album. Mine was Stardy by, it's Ben Bondi, but it's uh, Ben Bondi's project called K2 DJ. Mm. And it's a Imogen Heap is that how you say Imogen. it? Imogen. Imogen. Oh my gosh. Let's you, edit that. Imogen. I'm dying. Imogen. I'm dying. Imogen. I'm sorry. Imogen. Oh my God. Well, 2024, learning people's names properly. Imogen uh, heap sample uh, that actually I had to DM them for it because it's such a like cheeky use of it. And it's just a beautiful song. It really like wrapped up a whole aesthetic. It was like mm. an aesthetic track mm. for me as well. A lot of this like emo like kind of indie hip hop sound coming through other channels mm-hmm. okay, and like sad boy rap stuff coming through like in ambient. And yeah. Have you also music. heard like Jim legacy DJ Mm-mm. or, okay. There's this like thing where Midwestern emo is kind of popping up in like rap and like black electronic music. And I love it so much. There's also um, Lorraine James and oh, yeah, that. Corey Master and Jello. Yeah, one way ticket to the Midwest emo. So nice. It's like, Oh, that song, though, DJ by Jim Legacy is like such a sad banger. The whole video is kind of set up like a drill video or something with a bunch of kids in the UK kind of in their black puffers, like go, going like going around the camera. But the it's like a sad Midwest guitar and the track is like, you don't want to teach me how to DJ anymore or something. Oh, and it's cute. Like, I love that. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm it's really that. beautiful. What is Midwest guitar? What does that sound like? So it's like Midwestern emo is kind of this slow slung like like even like um it's more emo than dashboard. It was a bit more underground. It's like uh the guitar, it's got a specific tuning that just really like embodies this kind of longing and expanse of the okay. Midwest. It's like, um, yeah. It's more like, it's like more, 
Oh, I don't know what it's I was pluck, going with It's that. plucked yeah, it's guitar plucky. with there this kind of longing gravitational pull. Okay. So it's this really interesting sad boy mashup thing happening like with rap artists. Yes. That still doesn't mean much to me. But <laughs> okay, well, right, cool. I'll send you the track. I'll send <laughs> you the you. track. Um, you I'll, have a sad track I of the do. year? You know what? Oh, my God. This song. Oh, it's deep. Okay, so... I there's a song called Norton's Weir, so I spelled Norton N O R T O N Weir or Wire W H I R, um, and it's by Bujin and Jumping Backslash. I think Jumping Backslash is British but lives in South Africa, mm-hmm. and I think Bujin might be South African. I'm not too sure. And they have this song. It's called Norton's Weir. It's out on Future Bounce, which is like Jam Supernova's label back in the UK. And um, it's just deep. It's so hard. It's like kind of got a bit of a dub energy, and it's just a bit like maybe three quarters towards the end of the song and the chords just go up and they like ascend and it's that point where when like the tears come out like, like you wow. just guys oh, so, uh, beautiful song I think it's so insane um, and yeah it came out around the time when I was having a bit of like you know just feeling down a bit disappointed blah blah just put it on and just like sit in a dark room and just you know nod my head or mm. romantically like emo-ish I guess you know yeah just love that <laughs> yeah but it's a, I, I think it's a sick song and it's just hits it strikes chord all right, should we go positive or negative for our next five? Posy. Posy, let's Posy? do it. Posy, okay. Best trend of 2024. Across the board, music or internet or TikTok. Ah, <gasps> uh, no, nah, tic- TikTok cracks me up. I spend so much time on... It's funny because you know what you're saying about how your feed is like 70% like really heavy, hard stuff. Yeah, I get that too, but so much of my feed is just stuff that makes me laugh so much because I kind of, you know, I read, I watch the news. I like, I'm very across a lot of, you know, issues going on, but I also just really want to laugh when I open my socials and just send in like indiscriminate reels to my friends so we can all laugh. And um, there's been this really hilarious trend. There's this kind of like beat it feels very ai and it's like this kind of weird like um like campy kind of afro beats like i know which one you're talking about with the dance yeah oh my god and there's all these like these like white guys nerdy white guys yes it's so funny it's like these nerdy white guys or geeky white guys i knew i would knew it i was like where are we going with this this is a trend i don't know on tiktok and i do and then he's like geeky white guys and they're like dancing these sort of like afro beats kind of ammo piano moves and there's one guy in like a dashiki like kinta not kinta kente that's not the right word kente sorry a dashiki kente cloth top and this other like older white man who like gardens and stuff and he's like a really cute geeky he seems like a kind of like a pastor and they're just doing these like afro beats dance moves and it's just so funny and then the community got involved and they dance like them they turned their like cheesy dance into like the official dance it's It's so good and they have this like (laughs) thing where they like dance with their thumbs up and it is like chicken leg dance it's so funny i can't get enough of it good one you what you got i'm happy for pedro pascal Definitely. Daddy of the year. Daddy okay. of the year. Definitely Pedro. That's Pedro a fire Pascal one. eating a sandwich. That was a good meme. That was also, yes, that was a good meme. Him saying that he was daddy was also a lot of good memes. But generally, like, also going back to your band ASO, um, I really love, like, the power of chill out music now i mean in club culture obviously we've had so much fast music this year i mean like there was a super rise in like you know kind of started in copenhagen like gabber and like hard rave coming back in and i feel like as a response to that we are also seeing club music like slow down a little bit but and then yeah in records just chill out ambient bands really approaching these styles all the way to the end of this year because we got batu with his first ever ambient ep that came out last week and even if you go in that copenhagen direction courtesy with her ambient trance album interesting trance covers or like um djs doing bands now like avalon emerson and the charm like beautiful stuff yes yeah i like the trend of slowing down Nice. Yeah, I don't feel like the slowing down is reaching my world because I'm in like a calm <laughs> world, like all that sort of, uh, I don't know, Dembao, Pereo, um, quite hard, clubby, like calm and Afrotech. Mm-hmm. And also another trend is just Ama Piano dance challenges. Like they just are getting more and more sophisticated, but just really sick. There was Emma Nike, 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 that one, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of like Afro Ama Piano dance trends. I just love watching them, kind of try and keep myself life and, you know, but in I think the, in the slowing down version of that tra- that world, that musical world, you had some major pop star breakthroughs with more of the R and B side, like Tyler, uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, well, and, yeah, uh, yeah, a couple others actually. Yeah, 
I mean, okay. it's cool because this stuff is always so subjective, right? Like you have your bubble that you live in. I have my bubble yeah. that I live in. It's like, yeah, there's stuff across the board that's like, okay, what happened objectively in pop culture that was this or that? But it's more like what resonated with us as individuals yeah. this year, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah, because you were talking about Troy Sivan and I literally came across him like, this that's, weekend. That's my other one is like the Troy Sivan dance to... Um, Got me started. Oh my god, it's such a good song <laughs> with the Bag Raiders sample and Super his good. dance is Actually, so cute. Actually, first ever time that the Bag Raiders allowed that sample to be used, and there is so they did a TikTok where they were like, "He's the one who got it." Yeah, fascinating. I love how there's all these worlds there. Like, I was at my friend's house and she put on this video, and I was like, "Who is this? This looks so fun." She's like, "Troy, do you not know about Troy?" I'm like, "No, but show me more." Oh yeah. And now it's just a whole world. I feel like I've missed yeah. the whole world of like. Well, no, in the gay, right in gay guy world, He's... there's been just intense amounts of memes around what kind of gay Troy Sivan is <laughs> and the fact that he's like kind of got this like off the leash, chaotic twink energy yeah. that's like now it's very authentically that versus any other gay pop star that's come to the for, for the light. Forefront. Yeah, forefront. All right. My trends, best trends of 2024, of course, all three of them are TikTok related. Of One course. of them is Flop Tropica which is the uh -huh. world building of this like queer pop star problematic uh, influencer war that happened between right wing bros and their island and um, internet obsessed or internet like based queer icons. You're so okay. brave for trying to explain this on air. <laughs> yes. So do the war it, of Flop Tropica, it. it continues now. And I think that not only is it a great trend of the last year, but I think it's going to be something that expands into different worlds, less internet obsessed worlds. There's been bits of it here and there, but the idea that it was like a community driven thing, almost like a choose your own adventure or like a pass off journal. I'll write one page, you write the other. Cause it was all really built based off of all of these different accounts deciding to take where the story was going to go next. Then like Leading off of our discussion about exposing yourself and wearing your heart on your sleeve as an artist, purposefully bad DJ streamers. <gasps> Mandy oh, Schultz, yes, the star yes, of the yes. year of DJing poorly in into TikTok and then eventually getting booked to DJ poorly in front of large crowds of college kids who are obsessed with her bad blends. How does Love that it. translate though into real life? I just love it. I feel like it's um it's like a really bad pop night where none of the tempos really match and none of the tracks have any mixable parts. So everyone's just gonna just gonna dance around crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's probably like some kind of like art to it in some ways. Like Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I feel this is like a concrete, like non sequitur, super edgy. Maybe it's like punk, like in the way that punk for was sure. meant to be like anti establishment against what, you know, was the doctrine of what beautiful music is. I love like, it. I love it. I, I such a brave position to be in, Mandy, putting her heart out there as a bad DJ and then getting a lot of positive feedback because hilarious. of it. And on the flip is the playlist transition review trend. So Shetty K and JBZ Ups, they have two of the most popular TikTok channels where people send them a playlist which has two songs on it and a certain amount of transition time automatically done using the Spotify transition um, seconds that you can set. So they will send the TikToker the time to set between the transitions between the two tracks or it's just how it automatically goes from one track to the other. Two tracks, separate worlds, separate albums, separate EPs, and whether or not if they were actually set up to transition on an album, if they worked, mm. or if they even DJ themselves. So sometimes they're clashes, sometimes they're greats, but their entire accounts where some guy just judges your idea of one track into another on a, on a playlist. So simple. So good. Obsessed. For music lovers, obsessed. For people who are playlisters, obsessed. I'm taking notes because I have not even heard of this either. Yeah, that one's, that one's great. I'm uh, doing like the beautiful mind math on the chalkboard in my head, like trying to understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just such a, it's such a niche thing, but it communicates so specifically to people who are interested in programming music mm. and love their music and are such fans of music but they're they're not DJs mm. you know it's not a DJ thing so mm. I love it and it's also a hack the system thing which I I super love it could be a wow. house party trick so leave it in 2023 ooh 
I'm going to say stop accosting people on the street for content. That is such <laughs> a good one. But you know what? I Sometimes love- they hit. No, no, but also I've noticed, because I feel like if that kind of culture was around maybe 10 years ago, it would be so obvious that people were like quite affronted by being accosted in real life. But what I've noticed now is that people seem pretty okay. They, it was almost like we're all on the ready to be accosted and see someone in the background with a phone recording us without our consent. Because like, I definitely see it. You know, people like run up to someone and they're like, okay, cool. I'm gonna get on with this. I wonder how many we don't see. You yeah, know, true. the people who are like, please don't bother me. Oh God, like I'm just trying to hang out true. with my mom. Well, it is a slow burn on that because the last like five years of TikTok, there were people who were really the the leaders yeah. of this idea coming. But here's the thing, that idea coming back. So I remember like 10 years ago, you would get on a cheap flight. And the only thing that you could watch on that cheap flight when the TVs came down were these scary blooper reels that were produced in the 2000s for like international TV shows, like Spanish TV. So it was like pranks that were happening in malls. Yeah, like punk, but like a much more lo-fi version of it. Mm -hmm. And often had to do with like sexy ladies with exposed cleavage doing something to like a boing sound. Uh And like, this is something that's like, been around but now we're doing it where it's being produced by one person and a microphone or yeah. one person with their phone recording and all yeah, that. Yeah I think maybe to like refine my statement it's like I know that it can be done well sometimes like somebody I love is Channel 5 News No Gas No Breaks or sorry All Gas No Breaks um, and he goes through like a kind of fringy parts of America and interviews people but he really gets people on his side where they really want to open up about their subculture or like right. the weird thing that they're wearing and it's like very good journalism but I think maybe what I want to denormalize is like using people's likeness for your content or putting people on the spot when they really like aren't in a position to be filmed or like like sometimes it can feel exploitative obviously but even like just somebody going you know what I want to do journalism maybe I'll run up to people in the street and be like hey what's your favorite song journalism (laughs) yeah I think as long as there's consent in it as long as like maybe when you see someone being approached and they're like oh that looks a bit like they didn't have a choice in this whereas if it's like just that clip of them talking so you know there was clearly a conversation before like hey can I interview you that is a bit more it makes me feel a bit more comfortable but yeah I get what you mean actually this to me is like a platform issue I Mm -hmm. think it's just like people should be more discerning about what they actually watch and what they like if you see that content like immediately swipe away Mm -hmm. yeah and then I also think that like platforms shame on you for like pushing that stuff Mm. it also reminds me of like on the more in a more sort of like sinister way happy slapping back when I was in school do you remember that? I don't oh, know if yeah. you remember. No. Okay, yeah. Like, basically videos of people getting, like, slapped in the park. And it started, like, on Nokia 3310s. It started off quite, like, you know, innocuously. Then it became quite sinister. Um, but I think it's just an, a constant, like, evolution of, essentially, this hidden camera, like, culture of people wanting to just share. Sure. Yeah. But I'm also quite a skeptic. So half time, I'm like, is this even real? Like, are you acting? Mm. You know, because a lot of it is fake. But it's the stuff that when I was really, really young, that's the stuff you laugh at. That's the dumb stuff. And yesterday I got like pulled into this wormhole of some Instagram account that was run by someone who was queer because I saw some like RuPaul's Drag Racey stuff and there was some like queer-ish coded stuff on it. But then generally it was a bunch of stuff that was like ripped from like 10, 15 years old internet that was being put back onto Instagram and then gaining the same amount of traction and numbers. And so it's just the idea that what makes me uncomfortable is that this stuff just doesn't die. It's like porn. It's going to come back over mm, and over yeah, again. And even when it looks old, it's even like more cached now. So that's the bummer for me. Yeah. We got to smarten up. Yeah, for sure. All right. Leave it in 2023, Juba. I say leave it in 2023. Oh, I have a few of them. I would say uh, go into yeah music streaming and stuff like that i'd say not crediting producers when you when there's like a big moment on like a, a stream like say a boiler room clip or something like that because i feel like especially in the dj world in the music electronic world djs are real superstars right now like we just get 
excessive bookings and traction based upon us essentially playing people's songs. And I know historically or in the past, DJs have been, or producers, not producers actually, you know, DJs have been secretive about what they play because they want that exclusivity. But I do think um, a lot of like producers really do appreciate their music getting exposure because ultimately, no matter what clip goes viral or whatever moment takes your career to another level, it's because you're playing someone else's music. So I think something like that, like just we, I think it's not even done... Um, in a, it's not done in, in like a to be harmful it's just an actual unconscious like oversight that we don't mm. credit people um, and also yeah in, in that vein kind of lineups curation being centred around headliners I'd say especially after COVID there was a real push to there was this like desire to get back into the, the the swing of things and profits and money to be made within the clubbing scene or the festival scene or just like events space. Um, and I think a lot of venues and curators went for the knee jerk, low hanging fruit of just booking big names because they're the ones who are meant to like bring in the mm-hmm. money and bring. But I don't actually think many people. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit naive, but I don't necessarily think people only go out based around a name in a in a headline or a lineup. They go out based around like the concept and the curation and the idea that this party or event or collective creates. And I think it just also perpetuates an unhealthy um, like inequality in terms of like how people's careers and crafts are respected. Um, and it also creates like replicate. It re- means least like replicated lineups and stuff like that, which I think stifles industry and creativity. So I'd I say, can piggyback off of that yeah. for for my leave it in twenty twenty three. Go for it. Leave Fred again in 2023. Hey, no, oh. leave Fred again alone. What? I, everyone hates it. Uh, you know what? I, <laughs> you just did a rant about <laughs> headliners taking up too much space. No, no. And then you're going to tell me to no, leave you know the, the most toxic headliner in dance music of the last year out? I, I take away toxic. I don't actually think he's toxic. I think he's just been given too much hype. which therefore... Generated by his team. No, I get it. I get it. I understand what you mean, but I often think sometimes we level the frustration at like the person as opposed to like, the consumers and the industry itself. Because like between like in say, let me say, I don't know, rap music, colorism, like the likes of Ice Spice getting like so much traction in recent years. People put that down to colorism, to light skin privilege, because she's obviously a very fair skinned woman of Afro descent, I believe. But I don't know. I don't know her heritage. But and there's also a lot of people in the DJ scene who are not like the prototype privileged Fred again package who are like say people of colour or like queer who become who are pushed some would say excessively based around the industry around them and then we consume that so I think like if I was afraid again I'd be taking it too like why not like I'm not going to say I'm not going to like deflect the opportunities that come my way because I think it's quite disingenuous to say that we wouldn't take this opportunity so I definitely think there could be an argument for the decentralization of people like that which is I guess is what I was saying but I think my initial rebuttal was based upon um, when the criticisms leveled at the individual as opposed to the, the industry around them that is creating these okay. sorts of superstars. Understood. That's what I mean. Because, yeah, Fred again is an obvious like person to... And I think sometimes when I see criticism about him, right. it's been based upon like him as a person right. as opposed to the what the industry the industry that can create these sort of superstars right. who are doing nothing different to what a lot of people on the streets are doing. So... Projections for yeah. 2024. What? Look into your crystal ball. Tell me what you think is happening in 2024. Crystal Bell's crystal ball. <laughs> yeah, Chris, I know you got some. You always, always thinking about what's next. What do I think? I think not to like be deep on literally every question, but I think like the value of music is going to continue to dive. Yeah, I agree. Because I think the platforms where we're consuming music are not, like, doing anything to counteract that. But I think that it's got to hit, like, an even deeper rock bottom. I agree. Before people actually start acting. It's super cool that you and I are both, like, I mean, the streaming question, we were both like, yeah, we're not on Spotify, whatever. It's like people are taking notice and trying to consume music more ethically, but we're a minority. Um, So... That, I, that I agree. One, I, think. I think prediction for 2024 is Spotify is out um, because of it had one of the biggest years in terms of people trying to understand what it was for this year. And I think next year, the combination of Bandcamp Yay. probably being out oh. is going to finally pit listeners and artists and this rock bottom bottom like up against each other. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've enjoyed Bandcamp like for the years I've used it. I've really enjoyed actually being able to feel like I'm paying artists more ethically as well. Me too. But um, yeah, I think it's had a bit of a rocky moment right now. So yeah, it's been sold again, and a lot of people. We had um, the one of the leaders of the Bandcamp Union on the show all year. We've been charting this story of where Bandcamp is going and its sale and resale, and it's just inevitable that the people that own it don't have the same kind of vision in in their um, hearts as the people that started it. So we need to, as listeners and musicians, take more control of who's taking us to the next place and who's going to be paying. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't fear that because as you say, I think like hitting rock bottom is necessary for things to improve. Like we're not just going to end like that. Like something else has to come from it, hopefully, if we choose to, if we choose to mobilize in that way. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, there's plenty of uh, awesome opportunities for people to step in here. So, but unfortunately, I think streaming for 2024 is going to be bigger than ever. Yeah. So we need to really make sure that the model is corrected. Yeah. Um, a prediction for 2024, Juba. Yeah, I think a prediction for 2024, which I'm happy I mentioned that point earlier, but leans into what we've been speaking about, like the politicization of spaces and just like taking things down, standing with what you said. I actually would be interested, and I think, at least on an institutional level, um, especially based in like Berlin, that institutions and collectors might strip back their um, their kind of overt political, political stances and just their engagement in politics. I think... Off the back of like 2020, which was a recent like real mobilization of political um, uh, identity or, or just questioning, people got really in in a very strong like we got to take a stance, we got to be clear because it was a bit more clear cut with Black like, Black Lives Matter, for example, where mm. it was like there wasn't really much room for maneuvering. It's complicated in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Whereas in recent times, you've seen Oyo Yun, which is an institution in Berlin, have its funding cut by the Berlin Senate because they hosted an event, which was Jewish Voices for Peace, I think, in Palestine. Mm-hmm. And not even to go into any potent, like personal stances on these situations. I think what we're seeing with artists, there was an article by a resident advisor talking about how artists have lost gigs on either side of the spectrum, whether they're pro-Palestine or pro-Israel, based upon sharing their views. And I think a lot of people are suddenly being a bit shocked, like, oh, I thought it was just obvious. You, you state a political view that was meant to be on the right side of things and then that's it. Like, it can even help your career or you're just, it's just an easy answer. Whereas now, right. we're in a time where there is a situation that's going on which is very polarising and a bit more multipolar in terms of what people deem to be right. And a lot of institutions and peoples are seeing backlashes on either side. Mm. So I, and I think a lot of DJs and producers, uh, not producers, just artists and within my personal conversations are feeling a bit more pressurised and scared to express their views online. I mean, I told you about how I got dragged on Twitter for sharing right. a very lengthy thread about you know what does the industry look like when we how and how do we deal with conflict and I don't mind that but like I was like okay I would probably be a bit more conscious about how much I trust the online world to actually understand what I'm trying to say right. rather than jumping in what I say right and I do I can potentially see a world in which institutions hold their cards close to their chest or maybe try and like act offline or away from like the online space. Offline, okay. But the online space is used less like politically. I, I think 2024 is actually going to be an all or nothing uh, year for artists and institutions. I feel like with the combination of the people who lost so much this last year because of their interactions with the geopolitical issues or being within those geopolitical issues, I think it's a there's less time for debate about whether or not you should say something or not. And 2024 is going to be one of those years where people are going to be less precious about what they're going to lose if and more um, engaged in just like what it is that they want to do. Some artists that we saw at the end of the year, just like their platforms just completely change overnight and they weren't talking about music much anymore. And I think that was the first time I'd seen that from from DJs at least in quite a while. So I think maybe there'll be more of that. I wonder how sustainable it is and how authentic it is, but let's see what next year looks like. Yeah, yeah. Authenticity aside, I think we'll just see more of it probably. I'm also curious about like um, artists tend to write music at times of political unrest about what's happening. So I wonder what music is being written now that will mm. take some time to release and will come out next year and the conversations that will be inspired by that. Nice. Yeah. I have one for 2024, which is um, rushing old social media and messaging platforms 
to make them new. So for example, I feel like I've been on Reddit more this last year than I ever have. And I feel like with trends of these like slow social programs, like uh, laps and be real, I feel like that people are just going to find platforms that are still running. I heard Tumblr is really bubbling again. And I feel like this whole uh, recycling the web might be a cool new trend in 2024. That's cool. I like that. Have we got any offline trends? Offline trends. Calling my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> calling moms. Um, being <laughs> offline, you know, like uh, there's been more people saying, hey, I'm offline for like a month or a month and a half. So being offline. Oh, my God. Can we stop with like, oh, my gosh, like the centering of people when there's like deep geopolitical unrest and somebody who's like, so far away from the issue comes online and is like everybody I have to say this has just been too much for me and I'm taking some time (laughs) offline and they make like a big statement and then they're back online in two days it's like my brother said this thing to me once he was like you know you can stop doing something but you don't have to pull an LCD sound system like just stop like you know so I think let's not make these Big statements big anymore. Statements. Just you're, get you're offline for a while. Take some time. There has been talk about people going out less as well in terms of the economic crunch. So I wonder what next year looks like in terms of people engaging with, you know, festivals, events, concerts, mm. music, I've, industry. 2023 was definitely a less drinking year. Yeah. I also heard more people bringing cardio back. I think like cardio, cardio trends. Yeah. Card- uh, no, like well, doing like, we're like working out. so I like yeah working out. There yeah. was, it was more of a cardio year. I don't think it was. It was less of a bulk year in my world. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, I heard a lot uh. about people were like, oh, I'm doing my 20 minutes again. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people doing their 10,000 steps. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so 2024, I think more cardio trends. Probably okay. it's less of a bulking year. Less bulking. And uh, yeah, does anyone want to leave us with one last prediction for next year that's not music related? We're all going to be so hydrated because we're just so good at drinking water. Mm. I think it is a water year. Water is back. 2024. Still water. Still water. No, sparkling. Sorry. Oh. Mitt goes. Sorry. Sorry. Well, yeah. you heard it here first. Mitt. Mitt. Okay. Yeah. Mitt. It's good to have friends with differing ideas. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much for joining me in the studio today. We got deep. We did. We got surface. We did. We yeah. got sparkling. Mm-hmm. And we got still. Still. Hey. <laughs> Have a great new year yeah. for both of you. Ciao, ciao. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. So that's all for the week, this week, and for the year. This is our wrap-up episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for locking in for the last 12 months. We're going to be taking a tiny break, and we'll be back in March. Until then, take care and remember to stop scrolling. The Week is a production by Telecom Electronic Beats and ACB Stories.